Welcome to another edition of the Sola Gratia podcast. Uh, we're in a new location. That's right. We're in my car. Today is uh, March 31st, 2019. Aaron and I are on our way to Indianapolis, Indiana for the Gospel Coalition National Conference. That's right. We're going to chase Tim Keller. Part of our strategy for this week is asking ourselves, where would Tim Keller eat? What would Tim eat? WWTE. Fish. Loaves and fish. And uh, so we'll, we'll let you know how that search goes. But uh, to pass the time, you're going to be treated to a conversation with us mm-hmm. about something near and dear to our hearts. And that is the topic of books. That's right. Books and reading. And why it's important. And what books we read. Now, Aaron has uh, prepared the questions for this time. Mm-hmm. And so, so Aaron's going to have the floor. And I'm, I'm going to attempt to answer questions while keeping, keeping them mostly at 10 and 2. And with our eyes fixed firmly on the road ahead. That's right. David is driving. I am not. So I get to ask the questions this time. So the first question is what are some of your reading habits? By reading habits I mean like do you read in the morning or the evening? Um, How much of what do you read? Like do you have a schedule? Do you plan it out? Do you good reads? that kind of thing how do you get reading done yeah um I'm not a very good scheduler or planner um I I read I read when I can so that's not a very professional answer but um I would say that it has it has varied even at various uh life stages so currently, I guess the best way to answer it currently would be that um, I, I do more morning reading now than I ever have. Mm-hmm. And that, that is a, um, it's probably a product of, um, you know, I get, I get up as early as I ever have. And, I, and my wife and I on purpose try to get up about 30 or 40, 45 minutes or so before our kids do. Yeah. And that way, both of us, and, and neither of us are morning people, but um, both of us find that that's a good time to do some reading. And so I I would say I do 15 or 20 minutes in the morning. Uh-huh. Um, if, you know, I, I try to start with the Bible. Yeah. And um, depending on the length of passage that, I, that I'm planning to do for that morning, I, I can sometimes fit in some others. And if I, if I can at least do my Bible reading before the kids are awake, then, then sometimes I can get into something else while they're, you know, getting ready. So, okay. But, I, you know, it varies. That's, that's uh, I used to do a lot of reading at night. Yeah. And I found, again, just that I, it's better if, if my wife and I can do other things at night. Uh, we, you know, sometimes we'd rather watch a show or, yeah, or, uh, uh, something like that. So, 
I, I have the advantage too. I, I can do some reading during the day. Right. I, my job allows me to do that, so that's a that's an advantage as well. But I I, I I've gotten uh, to where I do probably less of it during the day than I than I did even even a year ago. Okay. For me, I uh, I try to read when I can. Again, not the most professional answer, but um, when I when I took lunch breaks to actually eat at work, I try to cram in reading there. Yeah. And on a good week, I could get I could get through a book. Uh, you know, if I did it at lunchtime and then reading later on, I could I could get through a book in a week, but. Uh, I can't do that anymore, and I just kind of eat on the go and, yeah. and use my lunch break to change jobs. But yeah. the uh, usually Saturday is my really big day. It's hard for me to do daily reading, yeah, um, because because I'm I work really long days, and so I try to when I can. Especially if I don't have anything to do in the evenings. And so the evenings that I don't... That are free... Are usually designated to reading. And then a, a good chunk on Saturdays. That's been reading. I just... I fix my breakfast. I get my coffee and my tea. Or coffee or tea. Go in my room and... Play music and... Try to knock out some reading. Yeah. I've heard, I've heard you describe certain books uh, as a weekend read. Yeah. And for you, I guess that means that kind of what you're describing, you'll you're able to block out a Saturday and a, and a, and maybe a Sunday afternoon. Yeah. And and do short books. Uh, yeah. In in a matter of a couple of days, is that about right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, recently, I read the Sherlock Holmes novels. There's four novels. And there's about 56 short stories. I uh, didn't read those. I read some of them, but not all of them. But the novels, I could read I could read one in a day. Yeah. You know, they weren't very difficult reading. And I could set that, you know, that Saturday apart, you know. And, you know, some people marathon Netflix series, but I guess I marathon books. Yeah. So, uh, and then... Something else I try to do, as far as reading habits go, is try to have several different categories going at once. So, so I try to have like some poetry going on, and a novel, and a Christian book, and philosophy, which sounds like really crazy, but I think it helps me from getting too bogged down. You, you can if you get too bogged down in one in one book, you can switch gears and go to something else. Yeah, it kind of helps refresh you. But that's that's something that I've done. Well, and you have a, and I, we'll talk more about this as we go, I'm sure. But yeah, you have a, a wider reading palette. Yeah, than most, I would say. So you just mentioned five or six categories. Yeah, and four of them don't interest me at all. <laughs> but. <laughs> for you know, for you, 
I, I, I would agree that uh, when you're able to mix it up yeah. style-wise, content-wise, I could see that that would be an advantage. Yeah. And, you know, if it's, if it's something that you can break down into smaller chunks, like poems, like, you'd be like, uh, I just, I just want to read about five poems today. Yeah. He can do that. He can make progress. You know, whereas if you're reading a, you know, a Russian novel, you'd be like, man, this chapter's taking way too long. Yeah. Or Dickens. You're reading Dickens, you're like, man, I don't know if I'm going to make it past this chapter. It's too long. Yeah. Then you feel like you haven't gotten anywhere. And that's awful. When you're like trying to trying to read something and you, you just don't feel like you're getting anywhere. Yeah. Now I've heard some people say that if they try to read more than one thing at a time, that it's it's distracting. Yeah. You know, they, they feel like they have to focus on the one book or subject at a time before they can move on to something else. I, I'm guessing that's not an issue for you. No, not not really. Because I can block it off and say, okay, I'm switching from this one, I'm going to that one. Yeah. So. See, I read, um, I, I've, I've had, um, again, I guess it's, it's changed probably as I've hopefully matured, but I, there were times where I would um, be very hesitant to start something, start reading something else until I had finished the other thing that I was working on. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm less inclined to be like that now. I, I'm pretty happy now when I can give attention to two or three things at a time. Yeah. And, and I agree that when I do that, uh, usually it's a good change of pace. Yeah. Even even if the the material might not be extremely, uh, you know, as vast as vastly different as yours might be. Yeah. Uh, it's still, you know, you could make it different enough to where it's uh, a relief sometimes to go back and forth. Yeah. Maybe we should maybe we should like kind of like backtrack and say what it is that we do read and the kinds of books that we are interested in. Could, could I could I backtrack even further? Sure. Before we do that, <laughs> so did you? When? How did you become a reader? Oh. At, at what point? At what point did you? Did reading become something that you were pretty passionate about? Well, I started when I was a kid. Mom had me read like the Sugar Creek Gang books, okay, and Encyclopedia Brown. Yeah, and and I really enjoyed those. But somewhere along the way, like, those were always for school. Somewhere along the way, I just didn't, I didn't read nearly as much. I played too many video games. And it wasn't until probably my senior year in high school, I, I had gotten involved with, the Gilbert and, with some Gilbert and Sullivan operettas. And they were so funny. And so I found someone who I liked... I like their writing output. Yeah. And reading plays was easy. Reading plays was easy. Um, and and they were just e- so much fun. Easier than reading like prose? Yeah, like easier than reading prose. I hadn't developed that yet. I hadn't 
exercised my brain that much. Yeah. And so that was the subject I was interested in. And then a lot of uh, W.S. Gilbert, who wrote the, the plays, the operettas, uh, a lot of the characters were based off of poems that he wrote for magazines. And so I'll track those down. And those were so funny. And if I ever become a writer... Man, it's getting exciting out here on I-65. That's right. Somebody almost got hit. Or something. Um, Just one trucker saying hello to another trucker. Probably. There may or may not have been, you know, nonverbal hand signals involved. Anyways. We're speculating at this Speculating. Um, but a lot of the, a lot of the um, plots for the Gilbert and Sullivan operettas and the characters came from poems, so I tracked those down. And those were so funny. And if I ever become a writer, that I, I can say very... Uh, oh... I just know that that's where one of my main influences comes from. Yeah. And that, that, that kind of got me there. And then I tried to read The Hobbit, like, several years later. I couldn't do it. Hmm. And so, and that's when I was starting to read, like, nonfiction Christian books. Yeah. And I was just starting to become a reader. And I, could, I didn't have the stamina to finish The Hobbit, which is really sad. And so I went back you and were I... how old? Ooh, this was probably 24. Okay. 25. Okay. So, so, uh, seven, seven or eight years ago, eight, yeah. eight or nine years ago. Yeah. And so I couldn't, I couldn't, uh, I couldn't make it through The Hobbit. So I decided that I needed to, like, build my fictional stamina up. Because by that time I was starting to read, uh, Christian books, uh, music books like composer biographies and stuff I was finding things that interested me and reading those kinds of books but I didn't stories and novels and stuff I hadn't gotten there yet so because I think we've talked even on a previous podcast about how uh, it was during high school that you were introduced by our youth pastor to the writings of C.S. Lewis right so, so at that time, were you were you reading some of his things? Not yet, not yet. After after I couldn't make it through the Hobbit, I uh, I read the Chronicles of Narnia and Lemony Snicket series of unfortunate events, uh-huh. and that kind of I think it built my stamina up to where I could read a fiction novel yeah. or a fantasy novel and enjoy it. And so, uh, as far as C.S. Lewis goes, that was an encounter I had with an author back in my teen years that I didn't pick back up until I really become a reader. Yeah. And I really started digging into to what he had written, and I'm sure I'll say a lot more about that. But that's kind of how I became a reader. And then, like, at some point along the way, I was like kind of envision myself as someone who just sat around and read books and that's not what I did I was like man it'd just be so chill if I could do that and somehow I became that so yeah what about you 
Um, sim- similar, I would say, um, young childhood um, stages. For you, you mentioned Encyclopedia Brown. I ate those up um, in my elementary years. Those were those were uh, wonderful mm-hmm. to me. Um, I also, I would say, most of my reading as a as a child. And, and this would be true, I guess, even today, something I carry with me, is I, I read about sports all the time, mm-hmm. you know, so I would read, of course, there were sports um, um, novels, you know, fiction uh, novels, you know, of, of, you know, Billy, the star athlete, who's, you know, got this baseball season coming up, and so you read about him, and anyways, those kinds of things, but then, you know, I'd read... I'd read Sports Illustrated or whatever I could get my hands on. Yeah. I'd read athlete uh, biographies. I thought those were pretty interesting. Um, uh, I, my mom would make a habit of reading to us um, things that, um, reading to my siblings and I, you know, that, I mean, obviously we could have read them for ourselves, but I, I, my mom really enjoyed reading, and so she would read things, um, you know, I'm even trying to remember some of the things, like, well, okay, like the Little House in the Prairie series. That's what I was thinking, because yeah. my, my mom read that to there us, too. Go. So that was, that was something I remember being exposed to, um, you know, I, I did, uh, so that, that was really where it developed for me. I, I really didn't begin to read... Um, you know, of course, I did. I, I, I would read things that were required in, in high school. Uh-huh. Uh, we read um, various classics, uh, such, you know, A Tale of Two Cities, yeah. Scarlet Letter. Yeah. Um, probably others that I should remember right now that I can't. Yeah. But, um, you know, I didn't really fall in love with reading, uh, at least not, like, significant, helpful things until, um, until at least college. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. But I, I, I've always been interested in reading, and I've never, I've never really struggled, um, with the idea of reading. I, I've always liked reading. It's just a matter of being interested in, in certain things. Right. You know? I guess that's probably true for everybody. Yeah. Almost anybody, even if, even if you find somebody who says, oh, I don't like to read, you would probably find something that they would read. For sure. Absolutely. So, what is it that you read now? What I read now is... Um, what are your tastes? Yeah. I, I read mostly... Um, mostly uh, theology-type works or ministry, you know, church ministry type books. Um, I would say I do it somewhat for job related purposes. You know, I, I being a being in ministry, you know, being a youth pastor, um, I feel like the, those are the kinds of things that are important for me to read. But, but it's also just really what I am most interested in reading. You know, right. I enjoy I enjoy um, theology. I enjoy uh, 
workings of Christian ministry in general. Mm-hmm. And um, so that's, in some ways, it's a pretty narrow category, I suppose. Um, I don't read a ton of of fiction. You know, there are certain certain types of fiction I enjoy, but I, I don't really read a, uh, a lot of it. Um, I still in, I still read a lot of a lot uh, of sports related material. You know, not so much maybe in book form, but you know, obviously uh, current you know current event uh, related sports things. Yeah. So. Those are my, that's my, uh, that's about the extent of my major reading interests. Mine, um, go ahead. Mine, like you said, are, is very varied. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess, well, recently, we did a, I did an Enneagram test. Okay, yeah. To show, like, what kind of personality you are. Yeah. And... Mine came out as a number five, which... nothing to me. Okay, well, a number five, some of the things that they hate is to be ignorant. Yeah. And so I think I think I can see that in my reading because... Because uh, if I don't know anything about a subject, I will not talk about it at all. Yeah. It's shut down. But, you, also, but you just really want to learn about it. But if I, if I do, or I'm... I'm deficient in a subject that I feel like I need to find out more about. I'll go after that. Yeah. So, uh, I think that's... I've always been kind of a... I don't know. If I get into something, then I really get into it. Mm -hmm. Like, all the way. And so, reading... uh, It's a... Reading and enjoying art, like music and stuff, I think is very similar because... You read something that you're like, you know, like, man, I really like that. And it, well, I'll, I'll give C.S. Lewis for an example. I love C.S. Lewis's books. Yeah. And C.S. Lewis quotes, um, you know, he's always talking about all the old stuff because he is a classicist. You know, he, he was a professor of medieval literature. Yeah. So he had to know, like, the classics, you know, even going back before medieval times. Okay. And so, so I enjoy C.S. Lewis. And, yeah, I read stuff from C.S. Lewis. And he talks about, like, Homer's Odyssey or the Aeneid by Virgil. And he just talks about, like, everyone knows exactly what he's talking about. You're like, I don't know. Yeah. And so... Almost like Tolkien does with Beowulf. Right. Yeah, exactly. And so... So I follow that I follow that line and I just get into all this stuff. And so um, you know, I, I, I enjoy reading you know, Christian nonfiction. I guess theology books. Yeah. There's not a, a not a lot of heavy stuff, but that's probably a better term for the category that I that I would say fits me. Christian nonfiction. Not, yeah. not all of what I read would be theologically heavy, right? Um, as much as it would be just, um, you know, spiritually focused or, right. um, you know, 
God God centered, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. That's I, it's a hard spiritual growth, I guess, would be the easiest way to for me to explain those kinds of books. Yeah, uh, I like to read the occasional theology book, but I but you know I'm not like gonna go, you know. You're not going to find me at a coffee shop with Grudem Systematic Theology or something. You know. Um, anyways. But. Calvin's Institutes. Yeah. You know, I want to read it sometime. I didn't read The City of God. Yes, so you did. that's. Yes, you did. So I, I, I guess things that I know are important, I want to read eventually. Yeah. Those kinds of things. So I know that, like. Augustine's City of God is very, uh, is very, one of the big pillar works in Christian yeah. theology historically. Yeah. And so, I so heard it, I heard it described recently as maybe like the initial building block of the formation of Western theological thinking. Yeah, I think I think that's very, uh, very accurate, accurate statement. And it's interesting because, like, the first half of the book, it's almost like all this Christian history. Yeah. It's a very strange work, but it's good. Yeah. So, um, theology, spiritual living. Did you read uh, Confessions? I did. Confessions, Confessions yeah. Oh, it's, it's, it's good. Uh, it's, it's so good. It's, uh, it is good. It, what's remarkable about about that and really many classics I guess that stand the test of time the reason they do so is because you're thinking man this guy wrote this 1600 years ago yeah 1700 years ago and yet it feels it sounds like my life now yeah yeah unbelievable it's so good I got several translations I need to make my way through the other translation I have (coughs) Um, so that I really enjoy Fantasy novels, yeah. but one, but mostly, mo- most of the fantasy that I've read has come from a Christian worldview. Neil Gaiman, I read, I've read a lot of his stuff. His is not a Christian worldview, but he wrote one of the best fairy tales I think ever written. Uh, Stardust, it's so good. But enjoy fantasy novels, classics. I try. I try to enjoy them. Sometimes, um, some are more enjoyable than others. Usually, if it's a good book that stood the test of time, I I enjoy it. I love Moby Dick. Moby Dick was great. I, I I'm a Moby Dick fan. It's so good. Big big Moby Dick fan. I would say. Um, John Steinbeck. <laughs> I love John Steinbeck's books. He I've just. Heard, I've heard you mention him a lot. It just. Novel writing just... I don't know that it gets much better than Steinbeck, but... You know. And I think it's because he writes the kinds of stories that you would expect me least to read. And they're written so well. You know, on, on, on one hand, I love The Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. It's high fantasy, you know. It's just like this whole other world. And that's like polar opposite of John Steinbeck, who writes everything or mostly everything in Salinas, California and you know 
you're, you're seeing the class struggle and the Great Depression and just like yeah. I anyways try to get some poetry in there um that's important and then I love reading about music history and composers and music analysis yeah. if it's written in a way that I can understand because I don't have formal training much formal training um I don't have formal training higher than homeschool band, so. It's about as formal as it gets. Yeah. <laughs> I will say you're probably the best accordion player I know. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I, I know a few songs. I need to learn more, but there's just no time. You got to learn the accordion or you got to read books. That's right. Or you got to work. You got your choice. That's right. There are only so many hours in a day. That's right. It's, it's, ah, there's just so much. Um, so yeah, that's kind of the, the widespread, yeah, where I'm at. Um, those are the kinds of things. And I've recently, uh, strange tales, um, I've told you about the weird fiction. You have. The H.P. Lovecraft. Yeah. The, um, some of the guys who wrote Twilight Zone episodes, some of their short stories. Yeah. It's just absolute crazy stuff. I really enjoy that kind of writings, uh, as well. Recently, I read a lot of short stories, and most of them were of that nature. Yeah. Really, uh, really interesting stuff. It's an interesting form to, uh, an interesting medium to work with, I guess. So, yeah. Good. As as with most things, you are you are more experienced uh, in in a variety of things than I am. <coughs> well, yes, I don't know. I guess it goes back to that number five. You need an Enneagram and see what you are. Um, sounds painful. Uh, it was kind of painful. <laughs> so, what are some of the books that you find yourself returning to multiple times? And I guess we could also ask, why do you find yourself returning to those books? Well, uh, you know, I... I don't really re-read hardly anything. Really? Yeah. Um, I can't. I can't think of. Um, well, I, again, I guess I'll qualify it by saying the Bible. I, I reread the Bible. Uh huh. But um, yeah, I think. I mean. I really don't know if I could single out a um, anything that I read um, that I read through a second time, um, at least with the same, at least maybe not for the same reason as I did the first time. Uh, in other words, there are books that I've read. Um, that because I've recommended them to somebody else, and then I will I will maybe kind of go work through it again with somebody else who's reading it for the first time. Right. But I'm not 
probably going to go actually reread the thing from cover to cover. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, I'll work back through it that way. Or if I'm, you know, there might be a book that I've read, but now I'm going to maybe teach a class through it. So I'll kind of do the same thing where I'll read, I'll, I'll work back through it enough to get the sense of, of what's being said. But I don't know that I would re count that as rereading it. So, um, you know, the the book um, the book Multiply, for example, uh, Francis Chan, you know, is is a discipleship um, it's discipleship material. So it's something that you know when I was reading through it the first time um, with you know in a group, and now I've taken other groups through it. You know, I've been exposed to that material multiple times. Uh-huh. Um, John Piper's "Don't Waste Your Life" is kind of like that. I've taught taught through it some, and then also read, um, gone back through it with others who might be reading it the first time. Um, Pilgrim's Progress is one I've I've read. I guess that one's probably the one I would say I've I've actually reread it. Mm. Um, I think I, but again, only only probably read it twice. Yeah. yeah, I read it once in high school and then and then again um, you know, maybe 8 or 10 years ago now. Yeah. Um, I, there are a lot of books I return to just to pull quotes out of. Yeah. Or you know, maybe I'll remember an illustration and I'll remember vaguely where it came from, but I want to go back and remind myself of what it is. Yeah. So I'll I'll chase those down. Or I'll use books I've read before as as references for other things. So in that sense, I return to books I've read pretty often. Uh-huh. But I, as far as actually going back to just to reread something that I have before just for the enjoyment of it is is not really a habit of mine. Okay. I've got so much new stuff that I try to keep up with that I just don't. If I'm if I if I have to choose between reading something new and going back to something old yeah I'm probably going to choose something new yeah just it just would feel more urgent to me most of the time right yeah it's uh that's the hard thing because there's so much there's so many good things out there so many good books out there yeah um I think a big part of what I return to and I'll probably keep talking about C.S. Lewis over and over and over. But some of his, what you might call the signature works, um, like Mere Christianity and the Great Divorce, Screwtape Letters, The Pain Obser- uh, Grief Observed, uh, The Problem of Pain. You know, I, I know that I've reread those multiple times. Space trilogy. The space trilogy. Did you mention that? Uh, yeah. No, I didn't. I didn't mention that. But yeah, I've read that series several times. The Lord of the Rings, The Silmarillion. Um, those are books that I've returned to uh, multiple times. One of the books that influenced C.S. Lewis is was a book that George MacDonald wrote called. And I, I can't... I always mess the name up. But Fantasties... Okay. Uh, is one of the most incredible... Fantasia? It's not Fantasia. No, Fantasia. no it's, 
It's fantastic. Um, I believe that's how you, it's a German word, I believe. So Bergen, yeah. he, he corrects me when, whenever I try to say it. I usually just say that George McDonald book. <laughs> yeah, he um, knows what you're talking about. yeah, but it's it's so amazing, and it's it's, it's great. Uh, it's got a lot of you know Christian themes in it, but they're not they're not forced. They're not overt. Yeah, you know. That's um, but uh, yeah, the the thing about I guess the reason I return to C.S. Lewis's book so much is he just has a way of just really getting at the the bare like this is what Christianity is. This is what it should be, and you know he puts it in such words that it's just it's just great to hear it phrased that way. He knows how to phrase it for the maximum impact in reaching his audience, I think. Yeah. And just the imagination of the guy and, and the way that you see you see uh, you see the world or you see yourself or, or whatever it is, you know, after reading one of his books is just really helpful. Yeah. Um, here it he probably phrases things the best way to remind me of what's what's important in the Christian life, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, uh, several uh, other books that I return to are some of the some of the Batman graphic novels. I've read multiple times. That's another thing I read. It. Uh, year one and oh, what is it? The Dark Knight Returns, just absolute fantastic stories. But um, yeah, I returned to a lot of C.S. Lewis's writings multiple times, yeah. and Tolkien's too. Just that I think The Lord of the Rings is like a fresh breath of air mm-hmm. when you see the other kind of art that gets put out. The other kind of storytelling, you know, I know we've talked about this, but in the Lord of the Rings, you know, good is good and it's refreshing and it's uplifting yeah. and bad is bad. And when you're like in Mordor, you don't want to be there. Yeah. You know, it's not this old kind of fascination thing uh, like bad is portrayed, I think, in today's media. Yeah. You know, Maleficent. Right, that's her name. Yeah, you know they made a whole movie based on her. I haven't seen the movie, but it seems to me like the premise of the movie is well, let's focus on the villain, make make a sympathetic torture. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, well, you know, so you mentioned Lord of the Rings, and, and that was something that I had read. I had read the Fellowship, um, probably. I don't know, 10 or 12 years ago, something like that. Uh-huh. And, but I'd never finished the whole trilogy, but I've always been a big fan of the movies. Yeah. And so, you know, we read through them just last fall. Yeah. And I that would be one that I would I would reread. Yeah. And, and probably for the same, well, I guess probably two reasons. One, I agree, you know, just a breath of fresh air as far as just the style of writing is just... I, it, it had no compare. 
Yeah. As far as I was concerned, it just was really. Um, I would think it was the. And again, I'm not. I'm not, I'm not a um, an expert on fiction at all. But as I just, it, you'd be hard pressed to find any fiction I think that would so closely resemble um, what what would sound like. Um, I'll just say biblical truth. Yeah, as that one does pretty regularly. I mean, it's you you read Tolkien, and it's almost like you're reading uh, one of the apostles or prophets. Yeah, just in the way that he is, just in how gifted his uh, his his use of language is, and his um, descriptors and his um, metaphors. It's just really remarkable. Yeah. So, so that would be one that I, I, I would return to it for that reason. But also, I, I would like to go through it again and, and even do so, um, while, while making note of, of various what appear to me, to be, pretty apparent biblical allusions. Yeah. I think that would be a very interesting way to go through it. One of, one of my, I'm just going to mention this because I love it so much. Okay. And one of these biblical allusions, I know I've told you about it, but uh, Frodo destroys the ring uh-huh. on March 25th. Yeah. And yeah. March 25th is, I believe, the day, the, the calendar date that Catholics in the church traditionally is held as the day that Christ was crucified. Yeah, I think we, yeah. I think uh, it's either that or, or the Resurrection Sunday, but I think it's when Christ was crucified. And I just, I just love that. I just love that uh, he does that. And then there's the whole, uh, the Psalm of the Eagles. Yeah. yeah. You read that and you're just like, eh... This sounds straight from the prophets or or the Psalms. It's so good. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. But um, yeah, I've returned. I've returned to that um, several times. Probably read through it four or five times. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Fall comes around and it's like uh, this is Lord of the Rings season for some reason. Yeah. I just feel like I want to read it. Um, so yeah. Those are some of the ones that I've returned to multiple times. Uh, let's see. What are some books that have made a special impact on uh, you and your walk with Christ? Um, are there some in particular? Yeah. On, on my walk with Christ, an impact on my walk with Christ... Um, the way I've described uh, J.I. Packer's Knowing God, uh-huh. uh, because that book would certainly fit into that category, the way I've described that to folks is that I, I think there probably are other books that have helped me um, maybe learn about God as mm-hmm. much as that one did, but I'm not sure that any book actually helped me love God. Mm as much as that book did. There was just something about Packer's um, 
teaching in, in that book that I that I think was very affectionate or it, it at least resonated as affectionate for me you know and I just I found myself being um, not just not just um, challenged in, in what I was learning and in how I was thinking but in actually how, how I was feeling yeah and I'm not an overly emotional person but you know I just it was so um, moving I think at least at least to me and I, that's one again that I've I've gone back through um, with others before uh-huh. and uh, I've seen it have those kinds of effects in, in other people's lives as well um, so that would be that would be one that has had a Maybe the greatest effect on my actual um, spiritual life. I think. I think the others that I would say um, that have been maybe close to that um, would be uh, John Piper's "Desiring God." Uh huh. Again, I think I think that one is is a pretty seminal work. Yeah. As far as um, not just theology, but the way that one's theology affects uh, a wide range of areas in a person's life. Yeah. And so, and that's the design of the book, anyway. And of course, he's arguing for his view of of what he calls Christian hedonism. Yeah. Um, which, as you work your way through the book and you see how he defends it, yeah, is is really very convincing. It's easy to buy into, and so yes. It, uh, and again, it's one I think that is intended to incite the emotions in, in its reader. You know, he's he's arguing for, uh, you know, for for joy. Yeah. Um, you know, even the title, desiring God. You know, he's he's dealing very much with human desires um, and, and, he, and he does it really well and the other one I think that this this one is maybe a little more academic it's one that I did read for for seminary but um, it probably has has just helped my Bible reading as much as anything is is called God's glory and salvation through judgment yeah and it's uh, Jim Hamilton is the author and, and I got to know dr. Hamilton through classes at Southern, and and he's uh, just extremely gifted as a as a teacher and a writer. And uh, man, we got lost up there. Set up our our recorder again. But uh, anyways, yeah, that was one that um, that I. Even as I'm working my way back through certain, through reading certain passages, yeah, um, it's it, it it is set up not quite like a commentary, but it really is a almost like a survey of of the whole Bible, um, arguing for certain unified themes throughout it. Yeah, and um, again, it just was really very like paradigm shifting, I guess, in the way that I have learned to think about. Scripture and how to read it and how to you know therefore how to how to teach it and how to apply it and so I would say those three 
are the ones that come to mind. Yeah. In that regard, there are lots of others, but I, those are the three that I would say are foundational for me. Yeah. And we were talking earlier uh, before we started the podcast about learning and retaining knowledge and sometimes you pick up on things and you don't know where they came from or you can't pinpoint it you know and so I think with me a lot of my reading is like that so I've read a lot that's helped me in my walk with Christ but there's a it's really hard for me to like pinpoint this book like you know other than I know that The Great Divorce by C.S. Lewis is just, that one I think has been one of the most convicting reads. As far as you're talking about the way it's helped develop your walk with Christ? Yes, because because he, you know, a lot of people want to like look at it and say, oh, this is, this is about C.S. Lewis in the afterlife and and C.S. Lewis even says, I don't know how all this works out, you know. And, like, yeah. like you know, it's basically, uh, an I, it really touches on, do you love Christ more than you love anything else? Yeah. And, you know, it's one of those things where I've got I've to keep that in mind, you know. Um, I've got to live it out. And it's it's hard because there's all these things around you, and um, you know, like there's there's one instance. It's a fic, it's a fictional book. It's a it's a Christian f- fictional book um, about these people who who are allowed to go into heaven, go on the outskirts of heaven, to experience what it would be like, but they have to leave everything behind. And so one person with like paintbrushes, they're like, I want to, I want to, I want to bring this with me. Uh, I want to paint the country. Yeah. And these angel or spirits won't let anyone in. They're like their guides, and the, and they're like, you have to learn to, you know, to you can't take your paintbrushes in because you get Christ here. You know, you, you get, and it's it's kind of hard to describe, but basically they're saying, you know, and it's, I think that's probably along the same lines of desiring God is, you know, finding supremacy in Christ and finding joy, you know, in Him yeah. through everything we do, right? Yeah. Um, and the uh, the weight of glory is another book that really has helped help me in my walk with Christ. The the uh, the title the the weight of glory itself, and I know John Piper quotes quotes that a lot or points back to it a lot in Desiring God. Well, and it's if I'm not mistaken, that is more of a uh, uh, a sermon. Is it not? Like yeah. It's more of a, a like an article length yeah. uh, treatment rather than a than a book. 
yes, but it's contained in a book that collects a lot of different, um, a lot of different sermons, yeah. and maybe some essays. I think they're mostly sermons. Yeah. Uh, but it but it covers a wide variety of things, and it starts off with the way to glory. Yeah. And that's where we get the famous, you know, um, you know, where where weak-hearted creatures fiddling around with mud pies in the slums so we could have a holiday at the sea. Yep. You know, and it's... You know, he just puts it in those words and it really helps you see where yeah. you're at. We are far too easily pleased. Yeah, we're far too... E- puts it. Yeah. Our desires are not too great, but too small. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, it's so good it's so convicting and it it really I need a reminder you know to to reorient myself and look to Christ yeah and uh, you know that's one of the reasons those are on my reread list but they've been particularly helpful and mere Christianity just because of the the way he sets things out you know not so much the first two parts of the book that are more apologetic in nature. But the second two that, you know, the the fourth the fourth part's kind of like a primer in theology. But the third part's really about what it is to be a Christian. Yeah. And, uh, and I just, I need those re- reminders. But um, just in the words he, he says, those have probably helped me in my walk with Christ more than um, probably the most as far as books outside the Bible, of yeah. course. Yeah. Yeah. Do we want to pause here? We're at about 50 minutes. How, how far along are we in our questions? Well, we've, we've only made it to three out of the, I don't know. We're about a third of the way through. Yeah, we probably better we probably better hit pause on this, and we'll come back and do a part two uh, for for this one. All right. We kind of we kind of expected that this might be the case. That's right. So maybe maybe now that we've laid some groundwork, we'll be able to to get through some of these others in a little more uh, straightforward manner. Yep. So all right. Well, this has been part one. We'll have a part two for. For, uh, for our talk on books. Thanks All for right. listening. Thank you.